are the tigers. Mighty, mighty tigers. I don't know that one. Anyways. You don't know the Frosted Flakes commercial? Uh, mm, Who are you? Yeah. Who am I? It rings a bell a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I don't remember that one that much. They're great. And, well, I know that. Do you? Yeah, I know that part. Because Bo Burnham has that one song and he goes, I'm growing tired of this shit. When he's acting like the tiger. tiger. His name's Tony. Tony. Yeah, Tony the Tiger. I know. <clears throat> he has a name. Yes, I know. I know. Anyways, so it's March. And so we're doing M. Yep. M murders. M murders. Uh, we both have longings. So yes. strap in. Ew. <laughs> um, okay. You go first. Oh, wait. I forgot to do the little quizzy thing. I'll find one while you... Oh, so I'm yeah. just going to talk and you're not going to listen. No, I am. I am. This is a I'm crazy a... story. You should uh, listen. No, I am going to listen. I oh. am going to listen. Okay. So I am doing the alphabet murders. And um, this case is also known as the double initial murders because... All three victims of the murder spree had the same initial for their first and their last name. Whoa. Really? Yes. Was that intentional? Um, the police don't know. They don't hmm. know if it's a strange coincidence or if it was intentional. That would be... That is a crazy coincidence. But. Yeah. Um, these three murders took place um, in and outside of Rochester, New York from November... Of 1971 to November of 1973, so for two years straight. Um, the serial killer who committed these murders has never been apprehended. Um, and something that is really weird about this case is that, in addition to the double initials, um, each time a girl was murdered, her body was dumped in a town that began with the same letter as her name. Whoa. This sounds... This almost does sound intentional. Yeah. I mean, I think it is, yeah. but the police couldn't for sure say if it was. Right. Um, all right. Okay. So let's first of all talk about this sweet little girl who was the first victim. Um, so on November 16th, 1971, 10-year-old Puerto Rican Carmen Cologne was sent to the pharmacy to pick up a medication for her grandma. Um, however, when she arrived at the pharmacy, she was told that the prescription had not been processed and wasn't ready for pickup yet. Um, so she started to leave, and the last thing Carmen said as she left the store was to the owner, and she had said, I gotta go, I gotta go. Um, a witness then saw her get into a car parked near the pharmacy. So that all happened around 4.30 p.m. Um, by 7.50 p.m., she had been reported missing by her mom. Um, about, an after, about an hour after Carmen was seen getting into um, this car, motorists driving down Interstate 490 saw her. They saw her naked from the waist down, what? running from a reversing vehicle believed to be a dark pinto hatchback she was frantically waving her arms and shouting in order to flag down a passing vehicle 
At least one of these witnesses saw Carmen be led back to the vehicle by her abductor and stated that she looked submissive. So they saw her. Oh, huh. Yeah. Um, two days later, guess what? She was missing. Two teenage boys found Carmen's partially nude body in a ravine off of Interstate 490 and close to the town of Churchville. Was that the same uh, ravine or like same highway that she was seen? Yes. Fogging? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Churchville. Yeah. Carmen Cologne. Churchville. Um, this location was approximately 12 miles from where um, Carmen had last been seen alive. So it was 12 miles down the road. Um, her coat was discovered in a culvert about 300 feet from her body. Her pants were discovered um, like two weeks later on November 30th, close to the service road where numerous motorists had seen her attempting to escape. Um, an autopsy revealed that Carmen had been raped and suffered a fracture to her skull and one to her vertebrae, one to a vertebrae, mm-hmm. before she had been manually strangled to death. Um, her body had been extensively scratched by fingernails. Ugh. Oh, huh. So, the public was pissed about mm-hmm. this little girl's murder because so many had people witnessed her. Yeah. Trying to escape, and no one had done anything. There mm-hmm. was, like, public outrage. Like, the media just went insane over this murder case. People were livid. So, two New York um, newspapers local businesses, and residents all gave donations that reached over $6,000, which in today's money is equivalent to about thirty-eight grand. Oh, wow. Um, for a reward leading to the capture of the murderer. Yeah. Um, but nothing came of it. So, uh, about a year and a half later, on April 2nd, 1973, 11-year-old Wanda Walkowicz Um, went to the grocery store around 5 p.m. to pick up groceries that her mother had instructed her to buy. Um, She left the store around 5.15 and began walking back home. By 8 p.m., she hadn't arrived at home, so her mother called the police. But this time, the police were ready. They were on it. They immediately launched into high gear, and they sent out about 50 detectives um, to search the miles surrounding Wanda's home. The store she had just left and the river that she um, often played in, but they never found her. This part. Oh, wow. Yeah. This part is 50 detectives and they couldn't find her. This part is so sad. I don't know why I found this so sad, but several neighborhood residents were called seeing Wanda struggling to carry the bag of groceries. And three of her classmates specifically remembered seeing her bracing the bag against a fence so she could improve her grip on the bag as a brown vehicle drove past her. Oh. So this tiny little 11-year-old girl was struggling to carry a grocery bag, and she had to prop it up on a fence so she could get a better grip of it, and this sicko took full advantage of her. Um, So Wanda's fully clothed body was found by a police officer the morning after her disappearance, discarded at the base of a hillside along an access road to State Route 104 in Webster. So, Wanda Walkowicz. Yeah, Webster. Webster, Approximately seven miles from Rochester. Um, 
So the position of her body indicated she had most likely been thrown from a moving vehicle and her body oh. had rolled down the embankment. Oh, man. Yeah. So an autopsy revealed she had also been sexually assaulted, then strangled from behind with a ligature, most likely a belt. Um, according to the wounds on her neck, they believed it was a belt. She had several defensive wounds, which indicated that Wanda had fought her murderer. I hope she did. I hope she freaking clawed his eyeball out. Um, in addition, her body had been redressed after death. So. Oh, that's that's disgusting. It is disgusting, but that is um, an M.O. that's a little different from Carmen's um, murder. So she had just been dumped without her coat and mm-hmm. her pants. Mm-hmm. Um, she just had her T-shirt on. So this Wanda had been redressed after. So I don't know if he um, planned on redressing Carmen and just, like, was scared he was going to get caught, so he just did it, or he was trying to change his MO so that he wouldn't get caught. Yeah, it was the first one, though, so, like... Yeah, well... You know. Maybe not, but... Well, yeah. It could have been, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going through that motherfucker's head, so... Yeah. So the autopsy also revealed traces of semen and pubic hair on his oh, body. Oh, gross. Furthermore, several I strands I don't want to hear that. Several strands of white cat fur were found on her clothing, although um Wanda's family does not own a pet with white fur. Um which is interesting. Um, so as had been the case with Carmen Cologne, a reward for several thousand do- thousands of dollars for info leading to the arrest and conviction of Wanda's murder was also established. Um, and through, so the police put out a hotline. They're like, hey, anonymously call this hotline. Give us any tips that you have. So through these inquiries, um, police were able to talk to an eyewitness who informed investigators that um, as Wanda had walked home from the grocery store on the evening of her abduction, he had observed absur- he had <laughs> observed her standing alongside the passenger... Oh my God, I can't talk. This eyewitness had saw her standing next to the passenger door of a large brown vehicle conversing with the driver. So this eyewitness was unable to get a clear view of the driver of the vehicle, so he don't he doesn't know what the guy looked like. Um, although the location of the sighting, so when he saw this happening, it was just two tenths of a mile from Wanda's home. Um, so she was probably walking home from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So at this point, authorities were not linking the murders of Carmen and Wanda together. They believed they were two separate yeah. incidences. Um, so seven months later, on November 26th, not, and I also find it interesting how, like, seven months between two murders, that's, like, a normal, reasonable time, but 17 months between Carmen's murder and Wanda's murder, like, that's a big gap for a killer. Usually it's, like, every, yeah, right, every, every few months yeah. or, you know, half mm-hmm. a year. Um, so. Usually when they have the big gaps, it's because somebody's onto them, so they kind of go into hiding for a little bit or they've just killed somebody else and no or one that, knows. yeah or that um so seven months later on november 26 1973 11 year old michelle manza 
had just gotten out of school for the day. It was 3.20 p.m. She had just gotten out of school. You're what? In the fifth, sixth grade? At, yeah, she's like nine. In the sixth grade? Ten, 10, 11. She's 11. Yeah. And it's November, so she's in the sixth grade. She just got out of school for the day. It's 3.20. She told her friends, hey, I'm going to walk by to the nearby, um, I'm going to walk to the nearby shopping plaza to get my mom's purse that she left there earlier that day. I guess her mom was shopping, left her purse at a store, called the school, said, hey, Michelle, after school, can you go to the store and pick up my purse that I left there? Um, so that's what she did. After she got out of school, she s- headed over to the shopping plaza to get her mom's purse. Um, so 10 minutes later, after school got out around 3.30, a witness said they had seen Michelle sitting in the passenger seat of a beige vehicle traveling at high speed down the road and had appeared to be in, um, had appeared to be crying. Hmm. What year was this? 73. Started okay. in 71, ended in 73. So when she hadn't returned home after a while, Michelle's mom called the police. Um... At 5.30 that same day, a motorist saw a man standing by a large beige vehicle with a flat tire parked along the road, holding a girl strongly by the wrist. Jeez. Um, the motorist was, like, pretty sure that it was Michelle. I guess he had already heard of something mm-hmm. going on in the town, so he was, like, pretty certain that it was her based off the description. So he pulled over to offer assistance with the flat tire. Um, And the man holding the girl by the wrist immediately pushed her behind his back while also moving to block his license plate. So he, this girl that he had, he shoved behind his back and moved in front of his license plate at the same time um, so that the girl or the license plate couldn't be seen by this guy who pulled over to help him. Um, The... Uh, so this guy, who is probably the murderer, um, stared at the motorist so menacingly that the motorist drove away. Hmm. So he just gave off this creepy yeah. vibe and this crazy he wild had, look. Yeah, he had resting bitch face times 10. He had I'll kill you face. <laughs> yeah. He had IKY face. Um... Icky face. He had icky face. He had icky face. He had <laughs> icky squared face. <laughs> Ugh. Um, so that was that. Michelle's fully clothed body was discovered two days later at 10.30 a.m. on November 28th, 1973, lying face down in a ditch alongside a rural road in Macedon, approximately 15 miles from Rochester. So, her autopsy that revealed, in addition to receiving extensive blunt force trauma to her body, Michelle had been raped, then strangled to death from behind with a ligature, possibly a thin rope, um, and numerous strands of white fur, white cat fur, were discovered on her clothing, just like Wanda. And leaf samples matching the foliage where her body was discovered were recovered from within one of her clenched hands, which indicated that she had likely been strangled to death at or near the location where she was found. So, yeah, pulled over, pulled her out of the car or whatever. 
strangled her. She was probably gripping for something. Grabbed, mm. a handful, uh. grabbed a handful of leaves, and they found that in her hand. Yeah. After she was dead. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I know. It's gross. Um, but It's not gross. Don't, it's sad. Don't worry. It gets worse. Um, <laughs> investigators were able to retrieve a partial palm print from her neck. And traces of semen on, no. on her body and underwear. Um, a forensic analysis of the semen samples determined she had been raped by one person. So there, they don't believe there was more than one perpetrator. Um, an analysis of the contents of Michelle's stomach revealed traces of a hamburger and onions, which had been consumed approximately one hour before her murder. Um, giving the credence to earlier reports of a girl matching Michelle's description, having been seen in the company of a Caucasian man with dark hair, aged between 25 and 35, approximately 6 feet tall, and weighing around 165 pounds, both at a fast food restaurant in the town of Pinfield at approximately 4.30 on the afternoon of her disappearance, and along Route 350 approximately one hour later. So, they found her. She had one hour um, digested hamburger and onions in her stomach, which matched a witness sighting of a girl that looked like Michelle with a white dude at a fast food place. <sighs> it's just so sad. So, do you think he lured her in? Lured? Lured? Uh, I'll get into that. So, in a second. So With food, um, saying, hey, I'll get you whatever. Um, n- no. No. Okay. I don't, but you never know. Yeah. Um, so Carmen Cologne, Wanda Walkowicz, and Michelle Menza were each laid to rest in Rochester's Holy Sepultre Cemetery. I should have looked that up. Um, it's S-E-P-U-L Sepul. C-H-R-E. Trey? Sepple Trey? <laughs> Listen, I don't know anything about Catholicism, so I don't know. Um, Cologne's funeral was conducted on November 22nd, 1971. Her funeral mass was attended by 200 mourners. Um, Walkowicz's uh, body was laid to rest on April 6, 1973. She was buried um, in a small white and gold casket following a service officiated by the Reverend Benedict Amen. I think I said that right. Amen. Um, Menza's funeral was held at the Corpus Christi Church on December 1st, 1973. Her open casket funeral service was attended by scores of mourners. You can definitely tell you cut and pasted that. Copy and pasted that. Um, at the conclusion of Michelle's funeral service, her father, Christopher Menza, stated to other mourners, she was a sweet little girl. She didn't fight much. Mm. She should have clawed that douchebag's Eyes out. face off. Yeah. Kick him in the dick. She was only 11. She was a sweet little girl. Just yeah. All those girls are so cute. It's so sad. So after Michelle's murder, the police believed, um, then believed that the three murders were linked and done by the same person. So investigators released a composite drawing of the individual seen with the child by numerous witnesses to the media. And this is the picture I showed you 
when I was typing this up and I was like, who does this look like? And you said Alan, Alan Jackson. Jackson. And it absolutely does not look like <laughs> Alan Jackson. No part of it even remotely looks like he Alan Jackson. He had a mustache. Yeah. He looks like um, like a country dude from... Yeah, Alan Jackson. But from today. like a, Yeah, Alan Jackson. No, like a young country singer in today's music industry. Even though it was... Lil Nas X. He's black. <laughs> this guy was white. Um, they look nothing alike. That's like, what the joke in was. In the picture, it's 1970s. <laughs> he has like, like the Justin Bieber swoopy hair. Like the bowl. Swoop, and a stash. Swoop hair. No, he didn't have a stash. He had I could have like, sworn he had a stash. He had like... Um, a goatee? Like five o'clock, like mm. scruffy beard. Um, And then he had eyes that said, I have a low IQ. <laughs> um, That was funny. Thanks. So, although <laughs> investigators interrogated more than 800 potential suspects, 800, could you imagine interviewing 800 people? I'd lose my freaking mind. The perpetrator of the homicide. <laughs> homicide. The perpetrators of the homicides were never caught and the case remains unsolved. As each child came from a poor Catholic family, had few friends, and had recently experienced issues such as bullying or poor academic performance at her school, Investigators have not discounted the possibility the murderer may have been employed by or held knowledge of the practices of a social service agency in his efforts to initiate contact with and or gain the trust of each victim. Wow. So, so they, they this is unsolved? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they believe that wow. it is possible that this serial killer either worked for a social service agency or worked closely with a social service agency that he would be able to have that information, yeah. co- like um, access to that information to know so which I guess, girls were who. So and I guess that would explain the lunch then? The hamburger? What? Because like if there was social services, can't they... Uh, I don't know. I don't um, know much about that. Well, I mean, like, he, would they be helping the kid that day, like, get away from home? Maybe, I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Or they pull over, see him, they're like, hey, oh. it's me, George, that you, I you know, I, you've seen me in your house before. Let me take you to get something to eat. Yeah. Um. I mean, who knows? Or he just was able to access their names, found the girls with the double initials and a picture of them figured out where they would be and tracked them down and said like yeah. hey wanda and she was like who are you and he's like oh you don't remember me i'm that's messed up i know your dad yeah, yeah. well that's the, how they operate the, yeah the weird thing is uh well they didn't have the internet back then so you would have had to really yeah be around that person or yeah you know i mean it's sickening yeah sinister it is yeah so in um this is my last little bit in 1995 the year i was born the mother of carmen cologne made her first public statement regarding the murder of her daughter over 20 years later 24 years later um in this interview guillermina cologne cologne guillermina cologne stated that Although she had lived her entire life in poverty, 
If she could have only one thing before her own death, it would not be wealth, but knowing who had murdered her daughter. Adding, if I could die knowing who killed my Carmen Sita, I could die more peacefully than I have lived. It is the one thing I want in my life, to know that this person had to pay for the terrible things he did to my little girl. If the person who did this could have any compassion, he would see the pain and suffering the families of these little girls have gone through for all this time. Only Guillermina, he can't. He can't see the pain and the suffering because he has no compassion. Because he is a sociopath. Incapable of having empathy. Yeah. And that is the story of the alphabet murder. Huh. That's crazy. I didn't know it was going to be unsolved, but interesting. So, mine, unknowingly, whenever I got into it, was very long. Yeah, you picked a beast. Yeah. Um, Me being the journalist I am, I left a lot out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what journalists (laughs) If you didn't catch the sarcasm there. Okay, mine is the, uh, yeah, the Moore Murders. Uh, who was Ian Brady and Myra Henley. Yeah. Uh, the murders took place bl- between, between July 1963 and October 1965. Um, they took place in Manchester, England. Um, Are you sure I haven't done this before? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, don't, I think I might have like started to do it and then I changed my mind. Oh. If we did, oops. Oh, well. Uh, you mean like you might have done this? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh. I don't know. I think I started to do it. It's not in my history for... Nice. I only keep like my notes, you know, so okay. like okay. mine, don't show yeah. it. So, um, The victims were five children, Pauline Reed, John Kildbride, Kil- Kilbride. Keith Bennett, Leslie Ann Downey, and Edward Evans. They were all between 10 and 17 years old. Mm. Yeah, this this is a kind of a sick story, too. Um, actually, not kind of. It is a sick story. Um, four of them were sexually assaulted. Bennett's body is thought to be buried in Saddleworth Moor, and his remains still have never been found. Uh, the pair were only charged uh, in the deaths of Kilbride, Downey, and Evans. Because those are the only murders they had evidence for and found. Uh, the case was reopened in 1985 because Brady apparently admitted to the murders of Reed and Bennett. They both they took both separately to Saddleworth Moor to discover the bodies after Brady had admitted to the murder. And then uh, Myra made many appeals against her life sentence, claiming she was uh, better now and no longer a danger to society, but she was actually never released. Good. Rotten prison. Bye, bitch. Bitch. Uh, She died in 2002 at the age of 60. Don't know why. Maybe too many birthdays. Ian... (laughs) Ian Brady was diagnosed as uh, as a psychopath in 1985 and confined in a high-security Ashworth hospital. <laughs> high-security ass. Um, 
He apparently made it clear that he did not want to be released and asked if he could be allowed to die. Mm, yeah, we can allow that. Yeah, right. Um, unfortunately, he lasted until 2017 at the age of oh, 79. I didn't know that. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, right. That was too many birthdays. Okay. So now we'll get into the sad story of all the murderers. Okay. Pauline Reed, July 12th, 1963. Ian told Myra he wanted to commit... This is the one you're talking about. He told Myra he wanted to commit a perfect murder. He told her to drive a van that was borrowed while he followed, uh, he followed her on his motorcycle. Then when he spotted a victim, he would flash his headlight to say, you know, hey, stop here. Ian flashed his lights uh, at a potential victim, and Myra did not stop because she recognized that the victim was an eight-year-old girl that was her na- the, sorry, the neighbor of her mother. So it was like her mother's neighbor. I thought it was her little sister's friend. Uh, no, Pauline is. No, mm. yeah, Pauline is. Killed. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, a little after seven thirty, uh, Brady signaled Myra to stop for sixteen-year-old Pauline Reed. Mm. She was a schoolmate of Myra's sister Maureen and was on her way to dance. So of course she sees her friend's older sister and she's like, "Oh yeah, I know you. You're right. safe." Yeah. What a piece of shit. Myra offered Pauline a ride to dance. Then Myra thought this would be better because there would be uh, less attention that a 16-year-old went missing instead of an 8-year-old, which is horrible and disgusting. Once that you even For have that, that thought, yeah. yeah, like, oh, this this is less, you know, yeah. like she's less important. Like, no, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, it's just easier to write off a 16-year-old as a runaway than it is a yeah, but eight uh, year old. No, I understand that, but I'm saying her mentality that she's even thinking yeah. that, like justifying this. Yeah, well, she's um, only thinking about herself and yeah, not getting caught. Uh, once in the van, um, she asked Pauline to help her search in Saddleworth more for an expensive lost glove. It's, it's so dumb. You think there would be, like. Um, a better excuse or just go out there but anyways Pauline yeah. agreed and they went I mean if you were with like your friend's older brother and he's like hey dude I lost this thing out in this field a glove? I, or like I lost it's not a, important like my hat earlier when I was like out here riding my dirt bike or something he'd be like oh uh, okay I guess I well you would it. have a helmet on though well, you know what I mean just an example like uh, this. But a glove, a glove is not important. Ian showed up and said he was there to help. Help them. Um, Myra claimed she wanted, uh, waited while Ian took her to the moor. He returned alone after 30 minutes. Her clothes lay disarray and she was nearly decapitated by two cuts on her throat. Yes. Mm. When Myra asked Ian if he had raped her, he replied, in quotes, of course I did. End quote. Brady claims she was not only there to attack, but there for the sexual assault as well. She's not an angel either. Which Myra Henley claims she didn't know he was gonna rape Yeah, I know. Them. He just thought he was gonna, she just thought he was gonna kill them, which 
Like that. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's a piece of shit. Honestly, mm-hmm. she helped and she, she knew what was going on. She just played stupid whenever yeah. they got well, caught. I mean, yeah. she, she did her, <clears throat> did her time and died. You know what? You know what they should do with people like this? They should just give them like a little bit of poison each day in their food so they suffer just a little bit. But they don't, not enough to die, but enough to suffer. I don't care about this cruel and unusual punishment. This is disgusting. I think that if you murder somebody, you should be killed in the same way that you. Yeah, well, but then they don't suffer. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Well, you only suffer for five minutes before you're dead. Yeah, but it's agonizing. Yeah. But, but if you're just poisoned you, a little bit, yeah. you're just like sick each day. You know what I mean? Well, then you get free health care because you're in prison. Oh. And no, just let them. Just let them. stay in a hospital no, just, bed. No, just let them throw up. No. Just, yeah. Let them suffer. Hmm. They deserve it. Put them in a boxing ring with another person that's being slowly poisoned, and then eventually the whole thing will just be covered in vomit. Yeah. It's yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> I don't care. Let them suffer. They're not allowed out until one of them passes out. <laughs> Poor guys. Oh, man. Uh, John Kilbride is the poor little next victim. Um, November 23rd, 1963, at a market in Ashton under I think that's how you said it. Uh, Ian offered 12-year-old John a lift home. He told his parents uh, they were worrying worrying that he was out too late, and they uh, they promised him a bottle of sherry. I guess sherry is Coke, like a sherry Coke. It is alcohol. Oh, but he's only 12. Uh, it's England. Okay. Um, is this the kid that looks like Minkus from Boy Meets World? Who? John? Yeah. I don't know. Minkus. I think he straight up looks like Minkus. <laughs> uh, when they got back to the moor, Ian... Oh, sorry. They tricked him into searching for this stupid fucking glove again. <laughs> um, when they got back to the moor, Ian, Ian took Kilbride with him uh, while Myra waited in the car. Supposedly. Mm. Uh, Bre- uh, Ian uh, Brady sexually assaulted Kilbride and tried to slit his throat with a six-inch serrated blade before strangling him with a shoelace or a string. Poor little guy. Update, this is not the kid that looks like Minkus from uh, is World. It's Keith Bennett, he, yeah. Uh, Edward Evans. No. Oh. Yes, you're right, Keith Bennett. But he is equally as adorable, and it's very <coughs> sad. So, Keith Bennett, uh, my next one. June 16th, 1964, Myra asked 12-year-old Keith... Um, who was on his way home to his grandmother's house in Longsite, Manchester, to help him load some boxes in her mini pickup, and then after that she would drive him there. Uh, she drove to Saddleworth Moor, and Brady again went off with Bennett, supposed, supposedly looking for, again, OJ's glove. <laughs> like what I did there. Too bad that this happened way before that, but anyways... Uh, after 30 minutes, he returned alone, carrying a spade that he had uh, hidden there earlier. Ian said he had sexually assaulted Bennett and strangled him with a piece of string. Uh, this one is really fucking disgusting. 
uh, December 26th, 1964, 10-year-old uh, Leslie Ann Downey. Um, they asked her to help in taking the packages to their car and um, and then went to their They drove her to their home. Uh, at the house, they made Leslie undress. Uh, she was gagged and forced to pose for photos before being raped and killed, um, which they think was with a piece of string also. Myra said that she went to go fill a bath for Leslie and then came downstairs uh, where she found her dead. Uh, the two buried her naked with her clothes at the feet in a shallow grave in Saddleworth Moor. Oh, oh, don't forget. What? The recording. Oh, that's, yeah, that's later. Okay. Uh, Edward Evans, uh, October 6th, 1965. Myra drove Brady to Manchester Central Railway Station where she waited outside in the car while he went and selected a victim. He then found 17-year-old Edward Evans. Um, they all went back to the couple's house and relaxed over a bottle of wine. At some point, Ian asked Hinley to go get her brother-in-law, David Smith. Myra came back t- with Smith. Oh, they, apparently Ian wanted her brother-in-law to come back because he liked him and he wanted to hang out with him or some, some something like that. Some weird, something weird. Uh, anyways, so Myra came back with him and told him, hey, just wait outside. Uh, I will sign- signal you with a flashing light when you come in. Um, and then Smith came in. He knocked on the door and actually just came in where he saw Brady. Um, this is a quote from him. Uh, so, quote, I, I waited out. I uh, waited about a minute or two. Then suddenly I heard a hell of a scream. It sounded like a woman, really high-pitched. The screams carried on, one after another, really loud. Then I heard Myra shout, Dave, help him, very loud. When I ran in, I just stood inside the living room, and I saw a young lad. He was wearing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he was lying with his head and shoulders on the couch, and his legs were on the floor. He was facing upwards. Ian was standing over him, facing him, with his legs on either side of the young lad's legs. The lad was still screaming. Ian had a hatchet in his hand. He was holding it above his head, and he hit the lad on the left side of the head with the hatchet. I heard the blow. It was a terrible hard blow, and it sounded horrible. End quote. Uh, None of that was funny. It was funny. I was laughing because lad... (laughs) He says lad a lot, and it's just and not, yeah, it's just not common here. So, um, Smith said that he would return the next morning with the baby's pram to use transporting Evan's body to the car before disposing it to Moore's. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, listen. He, he he's thinking of a way to get out of the situation. Hey, I will go get this, and I will come back and help you. So he could get out of the house. He went back to his house at 3 a.m. and told his wife what he had just witnessed. And then by 6, 10 a.m., he apparently armed himself with a screwdriver and a bread knife. Sorry, none of those are going to save you. Um, In case Brady would come for him. Um, Smith... Then uh, ended up calling the phone, uh, calling the police from a phone booth, 
telling them what just happened and go get this dude. Uh, so then Brady was then taken to Hyde Police Station. Um, Bob Talbot of the Staley Bridge uh, pre- Police Division went to their house wearing a bread delivery man's overall on top of his uniform. Bread delivery man. They had those yeah. <laughs> back then. Uh, he went to the back door and asked Myra if uh, her husband was home. Uh, when she denied her having a husband, he then identified himself. Hey, I'm a policeman. Uh, he said he was investigating an act of violence involving guns. Myra said that there was no violence and police were allowed to look around the house. Stupid mistake. Um, police asked for a key to uh, to a locked spare bread bedroom. Myra said it was her workplace. Um, so then they were suspicious of murder after this because they didn't, you know, weren't letting them in. No, I mean. Jaffield. Um, so then police found an old exercise book with the name John Kilbride, which made them suspect that Brady and Henley had, uh, been involved in the disappearance of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Myra pretty much said that she was uh, just involved because she was doing what she had been told to do by mm-hmm. Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, then, later, they found a suitcase at Manchester Central Railway Station on October 15th. This contained nine pornographic photographs uh, taken of Leslie Downey, naked with a scarf tied across her mouth, and a 16-minute audio tape recording of her screaming and pleading for help. Lady later, Leslie's mother would confirm that it was her. Oh, I could not do it. I could not be Leslie's mother. Yeah. Then also, uh, her mother was able to identify her clothing at the site when they found her body. Um, the 21st October, they found the decomposed body of Kilbride. Um, the suitcase contained photos that they were able to find the locations of some of these murders since Ian was so proud of them. He apparently bragged about these photos in his suitcase, mm-hmm. and then they were able to actually find, um, like, hey, this is actually where this was taken, this is where this was taken. So they were able to kind of actually find the bodies from the photos mm-hmm. because they were able to see what was in the background. Um, and then... Uh, Let's see. Oh, apparently a lot of the pictures were actually taken with their dog. So they could actually date the photos be of how the dog's age was. Wow. So they got a veterinarian to come in and tell them like, hey, the dog's probably about this old. That's cool. So this is how far back it probably was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then also with Leslie. How could a dog love someone like that couldn't it constantly just sense the evil well it probably did um but so leslie apparently um they said they claimed that some two guys they they didn't even name them came to their house dropped her off and then took her back and she was alive mm-hmm. yeah right That's yeah usually and she just so happened to be buried where all of their other yeah yeah um, victims were 
On July 1st, after 100 days of searching, they found Reed's body three feet below the surface and 100 yards away from Downey. Um, yeah, there was some other, there was some other, you know, things about when they got married, how they were troublemakers when they were young and stuff, but I don't know. We know they're fucked up. I didn't know if there was really much to expand on that anyways. But yeah, that's the. Oh, um, you left out the part where they were both mostly Ian Brady, but. Um, they were both Nazi sympathizers. Oh, what? They fully supported Hitler. Oh, maybe I didn't see that. World War Two, and if you see pictures of Myra Hindley, and you see her hideous blonde hair that looks like it's a wig, it is not a wig. She just bleached her hair to fit in more with the the German, the, the Aryan, Aryan, yeah race um and let's just say she's not a good blonde she uh she's not a good woman she's uh yeah she definitely is a brunette yeah so he didn't look very good either though he, he didn't looks he like a fish <laughs> he has give me the ring eyes do i have fuck me eyes you have give me the ring precious eyes. <laughs> uh, Ted too. Gotta love it. Anyways. Okay. So you ready for this quiz thing? I did. I found somebody. Sure. Um, okay. This one's going to work a little differently <laughs> because I admittedly, admittingly, admittedly, admittedly, yeah, was um, not prepared for this because I forgot. Great. You know, the time change just kills me. I'm just kidding. Uh, Okay. Well, I am tired. But anyways, when am I not? It's actually 8.44. No. No, I changed that. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's actually 8.44 right now. Oh. So you shouldn't be tired. Yeah, but I remember I got up at 3. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, the... um, Okay, here we go. Uh, 33 murders uh, was then, at the time, the largest number of murders charged to one individual in the United States history. Okay. Um, let's see. I found a couple. He was a second child. Um, let's see. He was a troubled child. Shocker. All of them were. Um, One of his earliest child memories uh, was uh, being beaten with a leather belt at the age of four for accidentally disarranging a car engine components his father had assembled. He was struck across the head with a broomstick. So this sounds like, so he's more, more dad father instead of mother so he was beaten more by his father so daddy daddy issues for him how'd he uh, kill his victim mm, uh, i don't want to get that far okay you're gonna guess right away i have no idea this is a huge name mm. um he got an offer from his father-in-law to manage three kfc restaurants 
John Wayne Gacy? Oh, fuck you. Oh, my God. I didn't Dude. know he killed 33. Yes. I thought it was like in the 20s. How did, did you know that from the KFC? Yeah. Oh, my God. And the abusive father. Because he... And the abuse um, was, like, perpetual because he... John Wayne Gacy was very feminine. He was a very feminine child, and he preferred, um, like, being with his mom and doing, like, cooking in the kitchen and doing things that she did as opposed to, like, working on cars and being outside. So yeah. that his alcoholic father that just perpetuated the abuse. So Yeah. Well, damn. Good thing I didn't put a huge list together then. Because I would have put that one. I didn't know you would be able to know it from a KFC. Yeah. I can't stump you. <laughs> no, what was it, two weeks ago I got you on one? Sam Little. Yeah. So, okay. Well. I knew the Green River Killer. I just couldn't think of what his... Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. His pseudo name was... I can't remember Green River Killer. Yep. So, all right. It's next week. John Wayne Gacy. That's too easy. I didn't know you would be able to get it from a KFC. What's so weird about John Wayne Gacy is he was normal in every sense of the word, and that's why it's so weird. Is because you would never have expected him to do what he did. But that's how he got away with a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, he was strikingly normal. Yeah. So, okay. What's next week? Uh, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. What do you and I do? Uh, whatever you tell me to. Drill sergeant. I don't know. Uh, w- ah. Let's do we'll just figure it out this week involving then. Involving food. Food? Yeah. Okay. I'm staring at the olive oil <laughs> on our counter right now. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. Okay. See you next week. Bye. Bye.